Welcome to Amplify Your Process Safety, the podcast that provides the experience and expertise you need when it comes to process safety and risk management. Our hands-on approach will give you the insight needed, whether you're new to industry or process safety, in a role where you interact with aspects of process safety, or an experienced process safety professional. Join your hosts, Wesley Carter and Rob Bartlett, in their mission to protect people, the companies they work for, and the communities where they operate by making process safety knowledge available to all. Welcome to the Amplify Your Process Safety Podcast. This is Wesley Carter, and today um, I got a special guest, Mr. Bob Wazaleski. I don't know if I'm saying this correctly, but... We're going to speak about insurance surveys and how your insurance survey team can benefit your process safety program and vice versa. It's a pretty good collaboration. Before that, I'd like to introduce um, our guest speaker today, Bob. So Bob, you are a fellow of AKI, American Institute of Chemical Engineers. You are a certified process safety professional out of um, AKI CCPS organization. You are a chemical engineer. You went to Penn State, the Nittany Alliance. Shout out for the Big Ten. We are. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, and, you know, for the listening audience, she spent over 20 years in industry as a process engineer and predominantly as a process safety professional supporting process safety. And you spent the last, you know, call it five, six years of your career in um, the insurance industry. And you currently work for Allianz, if I'm saying this correctly. So what I missed there, you know, in your introduction of Mr. Bob Wazaleski. Well, thank you, Wesley. Uh, appreciate that very nice introduction and uh, really great opportunity to be here today. Uh, thank you for having me here. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. You're, it's welcome. I think we're, our listening audience is in for a treat. Great. Yeah. So, you know, as you mentioned, I work for Allianz. Allianz is a global insurance company. And uh, obviously, you know, we have many lines of business that we have within the company, but the line of business that I work in is, is our energy group. And what I mean by energy is, I, I mean, we insure, pro provide property and business interruption insurance to various energy-related occupancies, such as oil refineries, gas plants, petrochemical plants, storage terminals, and so forth. That is quite a variation and client base within the energy sector it is it is and you know as part of our global energy organization we've got we've got risk engineers like myself based in houston in london and in singapore oh y'all yeah it's like you said global worldwide global organization that's right and uh, my my peers on the on the team they sit in they sit in london they sit in singapore and and we've got a, a pretty extensive book of book of business and in, in energy right, right here in North America. Uh, you know, at any given time, we can we can be uh, on on over 100 up to 150 different uh, accounts that we insure at any given time. And that's just North America. Yeah, that's that's pretty impressive. You know, and so I thank your organization for, for you know, getting you to speak today, because I think the topic what we're talking about insurance surveys is a good one. Um, you know, I found value as a process safety engineer when I was in industry before going out as a consultant. Um, so I think listening audience will enjoy this. Okay, Bob. So you were, you spent 20 years in industry before you got in. I say industry as a process safety professional before you got into insurance. Why? Why did you do that? You know, Wesley, when I when I look back over over the course of my career, uh, I entered uh, after I got my chemical engineering degree at Penn State. I entered industry working for 
a company that made hydrocarbon resins. And I was a day-to-day process engineer working in operations. And, and at that time, that was, you know, that was about 1995. And if we think about what was occurring then in, in, our, in, probably in the world of process safety at that time, the OSHA process safety management standard had recently been promulgated. And so I was tasked with developing standard operating procedures, uh, developing a new baseline PHA, rolling out management of change for the units that, that I, uh, that I overs- uh, oversaw there at the site. And, you know, it, w- it was a different way of looking at things for me because my education had taught me in chemical engineering, this is how things are supposed to work. Process safety looked at it differently. Process safety was looking at this is how things can fail. This is how equipment can fail. Here are the things that can go wrong, and this is how bad it can be. And I found that fascinating. And as I got further and further into process safety, I realized that that was the direction I wanted to take my career. And so I worked, I worked for that company for about eight years with a desire that I wanted to get into process safety full time. And great opportunity came about after, after eight years to go to work at Nova Chemicals. I moved into a role that, that uh, was a process safety engineer role, had responsibility for a large site uh, with multiple manufacturing units on, on site. And, and I had a, you know, responsibility for the entire PSM program at that site. And I, I look back on that and I say, you know, my time with Nova Chemicals is when, is when things really begin to accelerate. Um, I was surrounded with some, you know, really top-notch people in that organization. Had a number of great mentors, and Nova Chemicals is an organization. They had a very sophisticated approach to managing process risk and doing risk assessments. Uh, they have world-class loss prevention engineering standards, and and you know, my my learning really accelerated. So I ended up, you know, I worked at that, I worked at that one physical location there for about four and a half years. And then an opportunity came to move into a corporate role. And uh, when I moved into a corporate role with Nova, at that point, I had had responsibility for about 12 manufacturing locations. And that was mainly in the ethylene and polyethylene businesses that Nova Chemicals has. And, you know, in that corporate role, I'd say that about 20% of my time was spent supporting the insurance program. So obviously, I spent quite a bit of time supporting the insurance program, and what I was doing there was I was I was attending every insurance survey that that we had at our various locations, and I had two functions, two roles when I was attending these surveys. I was there to recognize best practices that we might have at one particular site, and and carry those best practices to the to the other facilities in the company. But then also, I was there to work with the risk engineers from companies like Allianz or, or any other insurance company that was, that was out the survey and, uh, you know, try to make sure that the recommendations that were coming from the insurance company were fair and balanced and they were suitable for the culture of the company and, and reasonable, right? And so I sat on that side of the table, so to speak, for about eight years. And during that time, I got to meet risk engineers from other insurance companies. I began to understand what they do. I was very attracted to the type of work, and I saw it as an opportunity to remain in process safety and loss prevention, but apply my knowledge and expertise on even a broader scale than what I was doing, and that's what led me to the insurance world. Yeah, you start, you know, introduced to the topic, you know, right on the front end of the PSM standard becoming, you know, law. You've got some responsibility, and then you step into a, you know, an organization that had such a, sounds like such a heavy influence on 
you know, you had passion for it, but just continue to foster that more and more responsibility. And then the opportunity came up, you know, hey, what are they looking at as well? It just seems like a natural, a really good transition or opportunity for you to continue, you know, doing what you seem to love doing. It's been very rewarding so far. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. So for the listening audience today, you know, Bob, thank you for great introduction, you know, background for them. We're going to cover insurance surveys. You know, this best way to say, it. you know, you get a new, yep. you know, I know you don't call it an audit, but I'll say on this side of the fence, you know, it's always like, oh, we're getting an insurance audit. Right. But I know it's a it's a survey. Um, but what is an insurance survey? That's a big topic we're going to cover. You know, what exactly goes into an insurance survey and what kind of collaborative effort can, you know, be gained from going through an insurance survey, meeting the the team that's conducting your risk survey, the individual, you know, how can you use that to build upon your process safety program? And then, you know, for in your world, what are you learning from, you know, these facilities you work with and their, you know, their process safety, you know, kind of expertise? Yeah. You know, Wesley, one of the things I want to do here at this podcast is really emphasize to your listening audience, the opportunities that exist for process safety professionals to get involved with their insurance program and how they can influence it and how they can create value to the insurance programs. I'm hoping through this talk, they'll understand all that value. Yeah. Right. So I'll start with the first one. What are insurance surveys? Right. So I think the first thing that we have to get out in the clear is, is an understanding of the complexity of the, the nature of energy risks. You know, when we talk about energy risks, what we're, what we're talking about is, like I said, oil refineries and gas plants and petrochemical facilities and, and high hazard chemical operations, right? If we compare it to something that you know most people are, are familiar with, like a a um, homeowner's policy, right? A homeowner's policy, you can pick up the phone, and you can call a prospective insurance agent, and they're going to ask you some kind of boilerplate questions: How many? You know, what's the square footage of your home? How many stories? Is it brick construction or, or vinyl siding? And they'll look up and see how close you are to a fire department, and you know, it's a it's an approach where there's sort of a standardized set of inputs, and in a matter of 15 or 20 minutes on the phone, they can probably provide you with a quote for homeowners insurance, right? Yeah. Not the case in in energy. You know, each individual. I thought I thought every plant was the same. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Well, same. All refineries same are the same, right? Same. Same. They handle risks the same way, right? Same <laughs> right. safeguards. <laughs> same safeguards yeah it's same all very age. boilerplate yeah, yeah 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 so it's very you know it's a very complex business yeah and and it requires engineering in order to assist underwriting because underwriting is is where the you know where it happens where the policy is, is developed and put together and there's a lot that goes into underwriting that we're not going to discuss here today but there's a lot that goes into it in, in terms of uh, the language that goes into the policy and setting limits and setting deductibles and and uh and so forth but nonetheless it requires engineering input and uh, that you know that's where that's where i come in so you're talking about conducting when you're conducting the insurance survey right your team you yeah know, let's okay yep well uh so ultimately look ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to do we refer to as a risk grading it's it's like a risk assessment methodology that we apply to any location any any particular location and uh you know that can be done from the setting of your desk with a loss control report but ideally 
we like to get out to the facility and spend a couple of days at the facility and talk to the people and kick the tires and, and really get an understanding of that operation. So, right? so, you know, you, like you said, you can do this with the loss report sitting at a desk, but you'd like to probably be part of that loss report, you know, the, everything that went into it. So you're on site, like you said, a couple of days, sometimes it's a day, sometimes it's up to five, depending on complexity, right? right? You serve a number of, you know, complex processes, number of simpler processes, if I'd say it that way, but nothing's really not complex. It's all relative. Um, what are you looking for? What are you looking for when you are in this, you know, your team is walking through a plant? You know, when I, when I was working as a process safety engineer, my focus was very, very much so on, let's say, keeping it in the pipes, right? Keeping the material in the pipes. And, and today, you know, as a risk engineer for, for an insurance company, it's still very much the focus is on keeping it in the pipes. However, we do have a broader focus where uh, we're looking at other types of hazards that can create either property damage or a combination of property damage and business interruption. So, uh, you know, that, that could include, that can include uh, third party exposures and, and where, you know, there's some damage as a result of a, an event, a fire, an explosion at a neighboring facility, natural catastrophes such as damage from hurricanes and tornadoes and other natural perils. So the focus is, is a little more broad. Yeah, and, and you know, so that part about hazards, you know, you know, you're in the process. It reminds me a little bit about when we're doing a PHA, right? We're looking for hazards, but when the process kind of gets off kilter, right? You have deviations in the process, it gets out of the pipe, you know, and that's kind of, you know, so for you, you're going in and you're not saying, what if, what if you're saying it did, right? You're looking around, let's, you know, this hazard, you did come, it did come to see you, you had this release of this material in this section of the facility, and then you're looking for, you know, are you looking for protections they might have? Um, you know, what kind of measures are you looking for? If you know that, like, for example, let's say you're walking a facility and the unit you're in or the area, you know that there's a highly, you know, a, a material that is easily ignited and that it's, it can pull and form a vapor cloud if it got out of the pipe. What would you immediately start looking for for that kind of scenario? Right. So, you know, a lot of your listeners are going to be familiar with bow tie diagrams, Okay. We are looking on both sides of the bow tie. We're looking at what prevention measures are in place. And if a release occurs, what are the mitigations that are in place to manage the size of that, that event? And on, on top of that, because we are providing business interruption coverage, we're also looking at what business continuity plans are in place. Okay. And, and this might be a good opportunity to just throw out a number here for your listeners. So in, in the world of property insurance and BI insurance, in order to have a BI business interruption claim, it needs to arise from some property damage. Sure. Okay. On average, business interruption losses are 3.5 times greater than the PD component that caused the BI loss. The property damage, three and a half times more is the business, business interruption. That's right. You know, and you know, you and I were talking about this, about how, you know, and, and, you know, has ops sometimes, you know, in a PHA, you look at asset damage and you'll kind of look at a severity scale there. And it's always a great conversation when you're talking about, wait, how long is it? You know, that's the direct cost of losing that piece of equipment. That's right. What's the replacement cost? What's the duration to get that replacement piece, that unit, that tower, right? And then what impact does that have on our business, right? The business interruption, you know, it makes, it makes good sense, but I love that you threw that out there between 
business interruption is three and a half times on average more than the actual property damage itself. That's right. And I think the important takeaway here for your listener who who's involved in doing PHA work is they, you know, they need to be considering the BI or the financial aspect of scenarios when they look at loss scenarios in their, in their has ops and in their LOPA studies and think about what is the, what is the financial loss that's going to be incurred here? And when I talk about that, that business interruption value, you know, that's a value that anybody can obtain just by giving the risk manager in your company a call and pick up the phone and, and ask the risk manager in the company, say, what is, what is the annual BI value for my plant that, that we provide to the insurance companies? And, and typically that value is expressed on an annual basis as a 12, 12 month figure. Yeah. But you can easily divide it by 365 in the days in the year and, and get it on a daily basis and use that when you're doing your has ops. So, that, you know, you're leading me to another part about, you know, what is the insurance survey? And that's, you know, we've talked about what are you looking for, right? So like you said, yeah. I like how you talked about the bow time method, duration. It can be one day, it can be five days, it can be a couple days. It doesn't need to be conducted in the office or the plant. But, you know, you're touching on what comes out of the insurance statement, right? The outputs, the reports, right. like this information. You know, so what kind of stuff are we, should, you know, if I'm, you know, first seeing my, you know, loss insurance report or, or loss d- prevention report, damage control, I don't even want to call it, you know, this is your world. But if I'm looking at that report, what are some of the outputs, some outcomes that I can pull out of that on yeah. the back end of an insurance survey? So fortunately, I was prepared to answer that question. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I made, a, I made some notes here and I jotted down a, a list of what I, you know, these are sort of 10 very broad categories of what we're looking for as risk engineers when we when we go out to a, uh, on a plant survey okay. looking at a location the first is layout and spacing okay so that would include the spacing between process units spacing between equipment sort of an assessment of congestion and confinement if you will right and then also we're looking at spacing between tanks and vessels especially get into an, a get into a like a, a tank farm or a storage terminal spacing between storage tanks becomes very important at preventing the spread of fire second area is, is what i call prevention hardware and software uh, this would include your pressure release systems process control systems and and all the emergency systems that we have in a plant for depressurization isolation and shutdown okay? third category is construction uh, construction includes the design and construction of of both process buildings and control rooms so here we're looking at in particular the control room is it distance far enough away from the, the process that if there's a fire and explosion, uh, the operators can continue to operate and shut down the facility in a safe and orderly fashion from the control room without having to evacuate. And uh, also included in, in this area of construction is a large focus on structural fireproofing, right? So areas where you can have pulling of flammable liquids and have a pool fire or possibly a, a, a jet fire, is structural fireproofing in place and, and what is the condition of it. Uh, we also look at utilities. We're interested in uh, reliability and redundancy of utilities. Where's the electricity coming from? Is it coming in from an external source? Is it produced on site by cogen? Sometimes it's both, right? The fifth area is uh, what I call process risk management. And there's a, <laughs> this is a heavy category. There's a lot in here. Process risk management would include process safety programs and include permit to work programs such as hot work lockout tagout energy isolation and so forth 
Uh, this would include maintenance and reliability and inspection, testing, and PM. Category number six, fire protection. Again, it's a big area and, and there can be an awful lot that goes in here. We're looking at your fire water pumps. We're looking at capacity. We're looking at distribution and supply. We're looking at the fire water grid. We're looking at deluge systems. We're looking at special extinguishing systems like gaseous systems for extinguishment. Uh, we're looking at hydrants and monitors, the spacing between those, the amount of coverage that you have. There's a lot that goes into this. Yeah, into this oh, I, can, I can imagine. Uh, section seven, I call it security, you know, physical, and nowadays cyber. Cyber security is another area that we that we look at. So, uh, what you know, what's in place in terms of physical physical security? Do you have uh, fencing around your plant? Is it well lit at night? What kind of uh, visitor entrance requirements do you have, and and so forth? Right. The eighth area is is what I call loss history and loss p uh, potential. Loss history obviously would be a record of insurance claims. Mm -hmm. So we're going to go back and we're going to look back the la over the last five and, and maybe even 10 years at the history of losses that the company has had, uh, the magnitude of those losses, where they occurred, and in particular, what has been done to prevent recurrence. The other area that we get loss history information from is during the survey, talking to the folks at the plant and understanding the nature of sort of their tier one and tier two type events that they have that may not have been large enough in magnitude to become an insurance claim, but they resulted in some type of loss of containment or perhaps a fire. Okay. Right. And we want to get an understanding of, you know, is the company having a lot of small losses? that are sort of going under the radar because they're not, they're not being claims on insurance policy, but yet they have the potential to become a large loss. Absolutely, right? yeah. The other component to this is, is loss potential. And when I say loss potential, this is uh, loss estimates that are done by the insurers. Okay? And this is something that I do in, in my line of work. Um, we develop loss estimates for each location that we look at and uh, we use software that does the dispersion and the blast analysis. And what it's doing is it's providing an estimate of the property damage that could result from a large event. Generally, it's gonna be a fire or an explosion, okay? And then the other component of that is we look at the duration of the outage and the business interruption cost that could come as a result of that event. Yeah, and like we, you were saying, you know, I can't, you know, on average is three and a half times as much as the direct property damage, right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. We also look at business interruption exposure. So, you know, we're 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 interested in understanding who your suppliers are and who your customers are, how much diversity you have in supplier and customer. Do you have do you have business continuity plans to uh, cover the event that a supplier's lost or supplier has an outage themselves? Are you going to be able to get your raw materials? Are you going to be able to continue to sell your products if you have upstream downstream losses in that environment? Uh, and then the last category, I, you know, I just, it's a catch-all. I call it other perils. It's, it's the natural catastrophes. It's the, the exposures from neighboring third parties. It could be uh, social and political type interruptions to the business that cause some kind of property damage and associated business interruption. But, you know, the, each one of these categories obviously has a lot of detail in behind it. Absolutely. And subcategories, but from a high level, I put things into those 10 broad categories. Okay. So I don't want to jump ahead because I know we want to talk about, you know, the survey um, and how that, you know, that can be used in collaboration between both your insurance assessment team, you know, the survey team and your process safety professional. You know, there's also, you get, you get kind of a grade, 
you know, on the back end of this report, right? That's right. And That's so- right. We take this information. We have a very, uh, what I call, fairly sophisticated methodology that, that we refer to in Allianz as our risk grading methodology. Okay. Right? Essentially, what we're doing is for all those categories that I just described and the subcategories that are within them, we're scrutinizing the risk, the plant, and we're, we're developing a risk grading, right? And at the end of the day, the output that we get from that is, is a risk grading score. Okay. Okay. So uh, let's take, for example, we have client ABC, and they've got five petrochemical facilities all located somewhere in North America. We may do a risk rating exercise on, on all five of those facilities. Okay? That's going to provide a numerical score. And here's, you know, here's where I think a lot of the value is that, that we bring to the table as insurers when we come into, into your site, into your plant to talk to you. As long as we have done that risk rating exercise, we're able to benchmark your facility against all of the peers in that hazard class um, and tell you where, where you sit in terms of the average score, the low, and the high end of the range, right? And, you know, I can't say, I can't tell you exactly how many risk gradings we have globally in Allianz, but I can tell you it's hundreds. We have hundreds of risk gradings. And they cover the upstream industry, the midstreams, LNG plants, refining, petrochemicals, high hazard chemical. We have hundreds of risk ratings in each one of those categories, right? And so if we have a risk rating for your facility, I can come to you and I can explain to you where you sit relative to your peers if you sit in that petrochemical class or that LNG class. And I can tell you what the low end is and the high end of the range is. And if, and if you want to get into details of drilling down and looking further at what drives your score and why you're in the low end, it may be in the bottom 25% or, the, or in the upper, what's driving that score. We can get into those kind of details. Yeah, so you're looking at all these categories, which is awesome, you know, with a different type of lens. And then you're also getting the score. You know, if I've got five plants, three plants, 20 plants, whatever that is within a certain business line internally, how does this facility stack up to this one? You know, what are they doing well versus what are we not doing so hot? Maybe we're doing well across the board, you know, who knows? And then, but then you're like, you step back and you go, okay, all your facilities score here. And you're like, oh, we're, we're pretty consistent. And you're like, well, consistently compared to your peers, you're pretty bad. (laughs) You know, you have systemic issues about, you know, your risk management, your loss prevention controls and based on all these categories. So it's a very valuable you know, part of the process that, you know, y'all lead, you know, as part of that report. That's right. And, and internally, you know, we, we look at, we look at the risk ratings for the individual locations, but then we also look at things on what we call the account level, right? So that ABC client, they may have five locations. And so we're going to take a look at each one of those locations individually to see how they score and how they benchmark against their peers. But then we're also looking at things on the account level of how is ABC as a petrochemical company mm-hmm. stand up against their peers at a at an account level or at a company level, right? Yeah. And there's so there's different there's different ways of of uh, using that data. But very valuable stuff. So I think that's a good overview of what is an insurance survey. You know what kind of goes into a duration. You know what you can expect. You know what y'all are looking at, and kind of you know an outcome in, in your report. I'm sure the listening audience has already caught on to all kinds of valuable takeaways. But you know we're going to go through the value and what you can extract, and how that can feed into your process safety program, and vice versa. What are you learning from the process safety professionals, risk managers that you're interacting with when you go on site? You know, and, and for me, 
the biggest thing that kind of jumps out of me, you know, at a high level and, you know, I, and I, you know, and then I'll, I'm going to kick it over to you because I think you have a lot of good stuff here, but I see a lot of risk management expertise in what y'all do and bring to the table. I mean, y'all are doing hundreds of these surveys, hundreds of surveys a year, you know, globally, hundreds of surveys. Each one of those surveys can be, you know, a day, it could be three days, it could be five days, it can be an individual, it can be a team of, you know, risk, you know, I'll call it risk management experts going around. And so the thousands of hours that go into not only are y'all doing hundreds of surveys, there's thousands of hours your organization is putting into these risk assessments. And you're not just doing it in one type of facility. You're seeing risk management and complex processes, you know, less complex facilities, different types of hazards, whether it's toxics or flammables or whatever it is, right? And so for me, right off the bat, it's not only the quality of, you know, getting all that valuable information in my report, it's the, you know, the expertise behind that report. You know, there's a, there's a lot that goes into that. And so I, I, you know, being a former, you know, process safety engineer, you know, process safety consulting, I see so much value just in that alone. But, you know, what would you recommend? Let's just say I'm a process safety engineer or I'm new to process safety. I just took on the role and I'm listening to this episode or I've heard about my insurance surveys. What would you recommend, you know, to instantly start bringing some collaboration between that process safety individual and their insurance, you know, kind of survey team? Yeah, Wesley, you know, this is really fertile ground here that we're talking about. I think there's just tremendous opportunity for process safety professionals to get involved with their insurance program. Um, you know, you mentioned my, you know, my background being in petrochem- uh, petrochemicals and, you know, for 20 years. And, you know, before I got into insurance, I was, you know, my, my area of expertise, I was really, really deep in certain areas, but I lacked some of the breadth, right? And, Coming into insurance and being here for the last five years, you know, I've, I've gained I've gained a, a, a lot of that breath that, that I was previously missing in terms of being exposed to different types of operations, right? And you know, it's given me an opportunity to learn about refining oil, refining, and get into gas plants, get into storage terminals, and, and different types of manufacturing that uh, that I previously didn't have experience with. So when I think back to when I was on the other side of the table, I was the process safety engineer working for the client, right? And risk engineers would come in for our insurance surveys. And, and I would spend four or five days rubbing elbows with these guys. I was like a sponge. Sure. I would try to sponge off of these guys as much as I could because they knew, they, they seemed to know so much about the type of industry that, that I was working in and uh and it, and it fascinated me it's a very trained eye right very, very the, trained you know like and so is as, as you're working you know rub these guys you know you know like the sponge aspect as you're watching this trained eye dive through assets and look at hazards and risk management and things like that i i can imagine right you, you know as you're the more of this you see the more you're like oh my this is how they're looking at this yeah, you know right that's right that's right because while my experience at that time may have been with four or five ethylene plants they had probably walked through 20, 30, 40 ethylene plants or whatever the number was, mm-hmm. right? And they were bringing that experience. They've seen, they've seen excellent, and they've seen not so good. And everything in between. Yep, yep. So, uh, so I'm a new, yeah. So, yeah. I, you know, let's just pretend, you know, this episode is released. I'm a process safety engineer who's never gotten involved in my insurance surveys. And what, what is your recommendation, you know, speaking to that part of our audience, someone who wants to get more involved and the insurance survey process so they can collaborate and improve their process safety program. What, what yep. would your recommendations be? My first recommendation is find out who the individual is in your company 
that is uh, in charge of your risk management program, right? Because the and typically that person has the title of risk manager. Okay. They typically have the title of risk manager. They sit in either the finance department or in the risk management department. So if you think about that for for a moment, right? As a process safety engineer, do we often touch base with people in finance? Generally not. You hope, well, I'm hoping we don't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> not because I'm not. I'm, it's just uh, typically if process safety is talking to accounting or finance, um, yeah, that uh, there's something going on. There's there. Something going on. So, yeah. so find out who find out who who runs your insurance program. It's going to be your risk managers in the risk management or finance department. Reach out to them. Start building that relationship. Okay. Get involved, and you know, one I think one of the first things you want to do is is get the what I would call the loss control report, sometimes also known as a property marketing report okay. for the site that you have responsibility for or sites that you have responsibility for. And you know, if you're in a corporate role, you want to take a look at all of them. Get your hands on all of those loss control reports. Those reports are an A to Z description of the risk at that site. Okay. And, and those 10 broad categories that I, that I referred to a little bit ago, talking about layout and spacing, building construction, loss estimates, fire protection, utilities, all of those areas are going to be covered in detail in that loss control report. Okay. So get your hands on those and familiarize yourself with them. The content of the report and in particular, the recommendations that are in there. Okay. Uh, the other thing that that I think is worth doing is is you know getting a basic understanding of, of the way your insurance policy is structured for property insurance and BI. Understand where your deductible is. Understand what your what your limits are. Talk to the the risk manager about the corporate philosophy and and uh, get a you know get an understanding of who your primary insurers are. A lot of times these these insurance policies they'll have fifteen or twenty different insurers on them, okay, because of the size of the policy, right? There's no one, two, or three insurers generally that can take on all of the financial risk, especially for a large account. So you may have 20 different insurers, and each one of those insurers are going to have a different line size. They, you know, you may have an Allianz that takes five or ten percent, and and another insurance company that takes another five or ten percent, et cetera, et cetera. And there will be what we call different attachment points. So uh, there's a deductible. The de- deductible, or the retention might be 100 million, meaning. Any loss that's less than $100 million, the company is on the hook for it, right? It's only the events that exceed the deductible that can result in a claim. So you want to make sure that you understand who your primary insurers are, right? Who are the insurers that, that have the largest piece of the pie, where their attachment points, and kind of get an understanding of, of who they are, right? Because chances are when you have an insurance survey, the engineers that show up for that survey are going to be those, those folks, the ones from the, the, the lead insurers. Okay. Okay. Makes good sense. They got uh, more skin in the game, right? Exactly. They got more skin in the game. These loss control reports, uh, sometimes they're authored by an engineer that works for the broker. Sometimes they're authored by a risk engineer like myself who works for an insurer. Sometimes they're authored by a third-party consultancy. Okay. Okay. But either way, you know, the, the content of them is going, to be, is going to be very, very similar, and it's going to cover the things I've already talked about. It might be formatted differently. 
uh, might be it might look a little little different and contain more or less photographs and diagrams but but yeah. the content's going to be there and i think you know i think it's important to understand what's in those reports i remember the first couple i looked at i was shocked at the, at the amount of detail that was in them and i learned things about the site i was working at that i didn't even know you yeah. know, just by reading that report. You go through the report and you got all these recommendations. What have we done to address them? What haven't we done to address them? Right. So, uh, you know, that leads me into something, you know, what, what we were talking about is, am I, as an operator, if we have a, we get an insurance survey, we get a, we get a loss, you know, report and we're looking through all these recommendations. What is the expectation if we're like, we're not doing that. Right. I, you know, cause I'm sure that you have, I'm sure you have plenty of clients sometimes who are like, yep, we're going to do that. And they're like, nope, we're not doing that. That's right. What would, you know, what are you looking for, you know, and what should someone who's first looking at these recommendations, I mean, is there any flexibility in a recommendation that y'all make, you know, any expect, you know, the short answer is yes. Okay. Okay. And you know, here's the thing to understand, even in the best of cases, as risk engineers, we're coming in, we've got five days on site. That's that's under optimal, the best of, of conditions. We have five days to talk to all these different groups, all these different people, try to digest the information that's being given to us. Probably out of those five days, we're going to spend two, maybe three afternoons walking around the plant, kicking the tires, so to speak. And at the end of the week, you know, we've got to figure out amongst the insurance panel where do the greatest exposures lie that could create a loss? And then what is the what are the recommendations, if any, that we're going to make, right? And and so, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, the folks at the plant, they're, they're going to be more intimate with, with the equipment, the operation, the management systems in the plant. We're doing the best we can to make, make these recommendations and make them in a, in a way that, that is reasonable that we feel is is fair and and will work well with the culture of the plant but we you know we don't always necessarily hit the mark bullseye right yeah so we're making recommendations what what we want to see it from the client is that you understand what the risk is that that we've identified and that given it enough thought and consideration to be able to say yes we're going to take this recommendation as it's written and we're going to implement it or we agree with the concern. We agree that there's a risk here. We don't necessarily agree with implementation the way it's written, but we have our own implementation plan that we believe is going to manage that risk to a successful level. Or we've done a risk assessment of that situation, and we've demonstrated that the current situation meets our tolerable risk criteria. And for that reason, we don't have to do. We don't believe we have to do anything physically to, to correct that situation, right? Those are sort of like the three paths that I see to resolving a wreck. What we don't want to see is, hey, you know, our gut feel tells us that, that that's okay. No real systemic analysis of the risk that you've identified. Yeah, because the, the gut check generally doesn't pass the test, right? Uh, we don't like to see them being pushed and deferred. You know, when we come into a site, we make a recommendation and we come back two or three years later, we expect to see some progress, show us some progress, not that, you know, two weeks before we came back after that three-year layoff, the site was scrambling to put something together at the last minute, sure. right? So, you know, it, it's really, it, it, it's, it's a situation where, you know, we bring in a different perspective. We've got a fresh set of eyes. We see a lot of facilities every year. 
we've recognized an exposure, what we think is a way for you to get better. And, and at the end of the day, you know, this, this is really supposed to be a collaborative effort. You know, mm-hmm. we, we tell folks these are not audits. These are not audits. We call them surveys because we don't have a protocol that we follow. And, and, and it's, it's in the spirit of collaboration of trying to get better. We're there, we're there to learn as much as, as we hope that the folks at the plant learn from us. You know, every time I go on a survey, Wes, I learn something new. And I take that and, and I put it away in my back pocket. And inevitably, I'm in a plant somewhere down the road and I see a similar situation in a plant. I'm able to share a share practice with somebody else, you know. So that's what we want to see. We just want to see that you've taken this, the recommendation and, and carefully considered it. If it's not going to be implemented the way it's written, you've done a risk assessment and made a decision what to do. No, I like that. There's a wealth of knowledge, you know, learnings that, are, that can be garnered from this report. So for this, the individual who wants to get more involved, you know, of contacting, you know, who's your owner? you know, your, your company for these reports, you know, managing that process, familiarize yourself with those, you know, the report, like you said, the type of policies you have, who your insurance carriers are, um, and then the recommendations, you know, what have you done? What risk are identified in those recommendations? What approaches your company taken or not taken maybe after a risk analysis or assessment and understanding that it is kind of a, there is some give like, okay, we're going to do these things. And sometimes there's some, you know, we took another look at it and we're going to resolve that, but in a different way, or we're not going to resolve that because we did a risk assessment and we feel that we have adequate safeguards, but you've seen that there was a process in that, you know, so seeing how those recommendations, how they were handled, you know, and then I think there was something else about um, an opportunity for future involvement. Maybe you just started in the role and survey was done, you know, six months ago, Mm -hmm. they're going to be back in a year and a half. They're going to be back in two years or whenever, you know, get involved, right. When y'all are there. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I mentioned I mentioned how I think it's important for a process safety engineer to have a relationship with the risk manager. I think it's equally important that you that you have a relationship with your insurance broker as well, because the broker is sort of that interface between internally to the plant and the and the, and the various insurers, mm-hmm. right? And so, if there's a if there's a recommendation in that report, let's say for example, and and it's not written clearly, or you're not sure about sort of the nature of it and why why it was written what they refer what the engineers were referring to pick up the phone contact the broker and say i'd like to get some more information some more clarity on this right and and the broker is going to be able to put you in touch with the risk engineer who was probably primarily responsible for developing that wreck right and you know and i think it's important too to to, to remember how this process works the risk engineers like myself at the insurance companies were the conduit between the plant and the underwriting group Right. And so, yeah, the, the process safety folks listening to this today, you have an opportunity to make a positive impact to your program and, and ultimately to your premium that you're paying. Up until, you know, up until I'd say 12 or 18 months ago, uh, the insurance market was really soft, what we call soft market, where the power was with the buyer. Okay. And, and it's really shifted. And, and here we are today and we have this really hard market where mm-hmm. companies are out there and they're, they're having a hard, the brokers are having a hard time in some cases finding play enough, uh, enough capacity, right? Because the, the insurance companies right now hold the cards, we hold the cards. And so we're making, you know, we're able to make tough decisions on, do we want to insure this risk or not? Do we want to take on that risk and underrate it? And so, you know, I think it's especially important in this environment right now that the process safety folks are engaged with the process and feeding 
their their input into the insurers and, and providing us with periodic regular updates on how insurance recommendations are coming along and, and showing engagement, showing progress on things uh, more so than it was maybe even in the past, you know. So, you know, I think I think, you know, that that's another when we talk about these sort of these the conduit connections, right? There's there's the broker that is the conduit between the plant and the insurance world and then and then on the other end of it, the process safety guy, you know, the process safety professional at the plant, that's another conduit because if we think about the role of a process safety engineer, typically they've already got the contacts in the plant in the inspections department, in the maintenance department, over in emergency response, right? And et cetera. And when we go in on an insurance survey, you know, we're interested in all those aspects of an operation. So the process safety uh, professional is that single point of contact that sort of has already developed those relationships and has the, has the plant contacts in order to get things done. Yeah. You know, I've really enjoyed having you on the show. When we were talking about having you on, I think you knew how much value I found when I was a process safety engineer looking at, you know, these reports and what I extracted. And if I really could boil it down, it's that you've got this team of experts that make a living looking at risk in all kinds of different facilities, tons of time. That's what you do, right? I agree. And you've got this report. And if you're process safety, sometimes you're called a process safety and risk management professional or process safety and risk engineer. But if your job is to help manage risk, whether keeping into the pipe or mitigating you know, after it gets out of the pipe, preventing the event from happening and the mitigation stuff after, what, what a great piece of information in front of you to take a look at and get another lens of risk within your organization, not only within your organization, but also compared to your peers. Uh, yeah, exactly. I can't emphasize enough how important it is to get your hands on that loss control report for the site or sites that you have responsibility for. Like I said before, that is an A to Z description of the risk. And you know, if you're not familiar with them, get your hands on that report and read it because I think you will be pleasantly surprised at, at the amount of detail that's contained in one of those reports. And you'll see a lot of opportunity to improve the operation just by reading it. Yep, absolutely. Well, Mr. Bob, I appreciate you being on the podcast today. Um, a wealth of information. Thank you to Allianz for allowing you to come on and speak about you know this topic. You know, for our listening audience, there's so much value in this episode, um, and so I think they're I think they're really going to enjoy. So I appreciate your time on the show today. Thank you, Wesley. It has been a pleasure, and uh, I'd love to come back sometime. Thank you. Absolutely, we we'll have to do that. And as always, we thank you for listening. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Amplify Your Process Safety. Head to our website, AmplifyConsultants.com, to find our show notes and other resources. Thank you for joining us in our mission to ultimately save lives by advancing process safety right here on Amplify Your Process Safety. Until next time. <laughs>